When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, awesomes, I am so excited about our brand new sponsor, Uncommon Goods. Now, you guys know we have been talking about how much we love Uncommon Goods here on Sorta Awesome for years. In fact, this year for the holidays, I got everybody on the Sorta Awesome team the cleansing energy candle from Uncommon Goods. I got my bestie Catherine's holiday gift from Uncommon Goods. I have spent hours shopping their website. And I'm absolutely obsessed with everything they carry. I love how so much of it is handmade or handmade in the United States. And this is actually perfect timing because you know what? Believe it or not, it's almost Valentine's Day. And this Valentine's Day, the way to their heart is through Uncommon Goods. Uncommon Goods has thousands of meaningful gifts that you can't find anywhere else. These are one-of-a-kind gifts that are perfect for your one-of-a-kind love. Uncommon Goods has hundreds of gifts that you can customize based on your unique love story. Uncommon Goods offers a wide variety of uncommon experiences. These live virtual classes include topics like aphrodisiac cooking for two, magic and mixology, romantic map making, and more. From personalized art and fine jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, they have the most meaningful out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. So awesomes to get 15% off of your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash awesome. That's uncommongoods.com slash awesome for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. It's January 14th, 2022. Okay, awesomes. How many of you guys are super excited about all of the reading that you're going to get to in 2022? I have to tell you, it seems like books and reading and all things bookish are everywhere you look right now, from book talk on TikTok to bookstagram over on Instagram to booktube on YouTube. So many people are really feeling the awesome of all things reading. Joining me today to talk about all of that is my dear friend and longtime co-host, Rebecca Hoffer. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hello, Meg. And hello, awesomes. I cannot wait to talk all about books. We're doing a full book episode and we are going to give zero book recommendations. Is that- <laughs> I know. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say from the top, nobody freak out. We are not going to burden your TBR list with this episode. No, no. We're not even going to mention any titles. <laughs> How are we doing this? We are talking about all of the other stuff that goes into the hobby of reading. And I can't wait. Yeah. You know what? I mentioned this on a recent Awesome Overflow episode for our superstars about reconnecting with like the hobbies and interests that you had as a kid. Rebecca, this is probably no surprise to anybody. My hobby as a child truly was reading. I had a book in my hands at all times. And I know you can relate to that, too. And you've been quite the bookworm in the past year or two as well. So as Rebecca said, we have so much to talk about without adding to your TBR. We're just going to talk about all the fun things that go along with reading. We have so much to get to. You guys, I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sort of Awesome. (music) 
welcome back, Awesomes, to the show that loves to support you in becoming smart, strong, and social. If you have been looking for amazing women to connect with and a community that will support you no matter what age and stage of life you're in, I'm so excited to tell you you've come to the right place. And if you're enjoying Sort of Awesome, please make sure you have subscribed to this show so that you never miss a new episode from us. And if you love what we're doing here, pop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and review. We would love that. And it really does help other people find our show. So Rebecca, I am so excited to get into this conversation because as you're listening, Austin's, you might be like, okay, we're talking about books and reading, but we're not talking about books and reading. Like, how is this going to (laughs) work? I love this because this was actually one of your ideas. I think it came from a conversation that you had with sort of awesome guest, and we've been on her show, Mary Carver, talking about books, right? Yes. So I was having a conversation with Mary because we share some similar tastes in books when it comes to our love for romance. And I was talking to her about, I don't even remember, it was something about where I get some recommendations from or like some of the big thoughts and feelings that I was having about how many books I have read and what my goals are for how much I read. And we were kind of having these major aha moments about all these things to say about who we are and how we view ourselves and all of it. And she made this really like one-off comment that she didn't even realize was a big deal, but I brewed on this for weeks afterwards. She said, that a lot of times she'll find herself using her designated reading time as time to look for other books and figure out what she's going to read next and that she really enjoys that part. And I was like, oh, my goodness, she is so right. There's so much more that goes into hobbies, regardless of what it is, than just the actual hobby itself sometimes. And books and reading really fits that. There can be so much that people do beyond just looking at a page and reading the words. Right. That is so true. And that really was the inspiration, that conversation you had with Mary Carver. Again, she's the host of The Couch Podcast. We've done several swaps with her. She's been on our show. We've been on hers. But it's so true that with any hobby, with any interest, There is the actual doing of the thing, but then there's the community that goes with it. There's like the accessories, the tools, the whole thing is such a big part of having an interest, a hobby and those kinds of things. So we are celebrating all things bookish delight today. We're going to be talking about, do you keep track of your reading? Do you have a reading journal? Are we setting reading goals for the year? Where do we find new recommendations for reading from what kind of like little gadgets and accessories make reading more fun for us or help us get more reading done in our day. You guys, we have so much to talk about. We are definitely going to get to all of that in just a few minutes. But first, let's start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. If you're new to sort of awesome, awesome of the week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little more awesome right now, whether it is a book, a movie, TV show, podcast product, whatever's bringing a little sparkle to the days. Rebecca, what do you have for us this week? Well, I'm going to shock you at least because you know me really well. And I am bringing something goal oriented. Now, I I am not a goal making type of person. It like makes me feel kind of cringy and immediately (laughs) insecure I don't like to set myself up for failure. I like to know I'm going to succeed. So my goals tend to be 
very, very manageable. (laughs) That's totally fair. I like that. I don't like to push myself that much. I think part of it is that I'm not much of a big picture thinker. I'm more of like a Mm -hmm. detailed thinker. And so I really like to break things down into like manageable bite-sized pieces. But I am using for the very first time this year a daily goal tracker. Okay. So my plan is I have a few goals I'm setting for the year. I have not, goodness sakes, I have not made goals or like New Year's resolutions for a while now. I think, you know, the pandemic kind of stomped that out of a few of us at least. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But this year I'm like revving things back up and I have a couple things that I want to do on a more consistent basis. And I thought that the best way for me to do that is to make daily goal for how many days out of the year I hope to accomplish something. Mm. So one of those things is reading to my son, Isaac. I think that reading to your kids is so incredibly important and valuable, and I want to prioritize it. I want to make more time for it than what I have been doing. We kind of got a little loosey-goosey with how much we are reading to him. For sure. I would love to read to him every single day, but I mean, I'm not. So Let's just kind of ramp up what I'm already doing. And so at least 200 days this year, I want to have read him a book. And perhaps maybe in being more focused in January and in February, early in the year, maybe by the end of the year, it's worked itself into an actual daily habit and we exceed those 200 days. That's possible. Yeah. Another thing that I'm going to use it for, for my spiritual health I have always connected the most to God during worship music. It has always been a really meaningful and powerful way that I can feel God speaking to me and that I can say my prayers to him during that time. And I don't listen to worship music as much as I could or I should. So I have set a daily goal for like how many days this year I want to have turned on worship music at least once during the day. Very good. I like that. So I'm using this daily goal tracker. It is from somebody that I follow on Instagram. Her name is Elise Kripe. Her Instagram handle is Elise Joy. And she is the creator of the Get to Work book. It is a planner that she sells. And so she does a lot about creativity and DIY projects and like tapping into your creativity, but also a lot of time management and goals and scheduling and like things like that. So if you sign up for her newsletter, then you can download for free her daily goal tracker. And I've seen her reference this a lot of times on Instagram. And so when I decided, you know, I think I want to have a goal of 200 times a year, I do fill in the blank. She's the first person I thought of. And I was like, okay, well, I got to figure out how I can get a copy of her tracker. So it was super, super simple. I just signed up for her newsletter, got the free PDF. I printed out a couple pages of it. And the way that she has her set up is kind of like one long list of bubbles. And each bubble has a date. And so it's kind of like set up like a calendar, except there's not actually any of the calendar words I'm not describing this very well, but it just kind of all flows into each other into one line after the next. And you can just like circle in. You just color in the bubble when you've done that thing. And there's also a place on there where you can write what that goal is for that sheet. And I'm excited to try some goals in a different format this year. So, yes, I recommend it. We'll have 
a link to her website and where you can sign up for her newsletter and get the PDF in the show notes. I am loving that. It actually kind of ties into how I'm going to be tracking some of my reading in my reading journal this year. So I feel like we're vibing on the same path here with some of this because I also, I like, I am so conflicted about it. I love productivity stuff, but then I also struggle as you do with the goal setting thing and like beating myself up if I don't meet a goal and feeling a lot of pressure around goals. So anyway, I'm very excited about this. That sounds really cool. I'm going to have to check it out for myself for sure. Okay, my Oscar of the Week this week is a little spicy. It's a little bit of a hot take because I feel like I'm in a strange minority with thinking this is really awesome. But my Oscar of the Week this week is the Sex in the City reboot, which is on HBO Max called And Just Like That. Rebecca, are you watching And Just Like That? I am. I am. I have watched the entire Sex in the City series through, I think, two, maybe three times. <gasps> Really? Yes, I I never knew this fan. about you. Big fan. <laughs> okay. Now this is going to be a fascinating conversation then because I was just going to say I was a very and I mean extremely very casual watcher of Sex in the City when it was on being broadcast. I was like a newlywed, college age newlywed young adult. And this was, of course, before the days of streaming. Children gather around the fireplace and let grandma tell you. (laughs) It used to be either you watched it when it came on or you made sure you taped it on your VCR or somebody else did. But so I would just catch it when I caught it. And I kind of tracked with the characters and the stories through the years. But I was not really a super fan. I've never sat down and watched the series all the way through. I didn't watch the movies. So I was like super casual about it. And I love and just like that. I'm super loving it. And I'm going to tell you why here in a second. But I need to know because I feel like this is a spicy take on it. So many people are so critical of it and not loving it. Are you thumbs up or thumbs down on the reboot? Oh, so far, I'm thumbs up. I'm definitely thumbs up. I think I'm on episode three, maybe four. So I'm not even halfway yet. So my opinion may change. But so far, no, I'm here for this. Okay. Well, If you're a little fuzzy on what we're talking about, most everybody knows Sex and the City was a huge HBO series back at the turn of the century. (laughs) (laughs) So the original Sex and the City, of course, followed the lives of Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, and Charlotte as they were in their 30s, living a glamorous life in New York City. Now, here we are in the year 2021-2022, With this reboot, lots of networks are going back to their primetime material from the past and creating these reboots. And so, and just like that is the reboot of Sex and the City. It follows their lives as they are now in their mid-50s, minus one big cast member. Kim Cattrall, who played Samantha Jones, did not come back to the cast. So there was already some like controversy around that from the start with people wondering if The show could possibly have the same chemistry, possibly be as magical, missing one of the main cast members. But I have to tell you, honestly, I have been loving this. And I do think that at first I thought it was because I was just like such a casual viewer of Sex and the City when it was on. But I do think that it's because in a way that is definitely still not realistic or relatable to my life directly, they really are dealing with issues that women interact with and encounter in the middle part of their lives. We're talking about losing spouses, grieving. We're talking about watching our children grow into fully grown adults who are having their own 
romances and relationships. Things like the way they deal with Samantha leaving the show on the show is that Carrie and Samantha had a big friendship breakup, which look from the beginning of Sort of Awesome, literally going back to 2015, we have dealt with that on the show in terms of talking about what do you do when you go through a friendship breakup? That is a very realistic thing that happens for women in midlife a lot of times. And so I think that throughout the series, yeah, you know what? It is still cringy. I never looked to Sex in the City in its original format to be like this I don't know what to say. Like, I always thought it was a little bit cringy and a little over the top when it was on. Did you feel that way when you were watching it? Did you feel like you were supposed to be watching it for like a reality-based approach to life? (laughs) A reality-based approach to life? Are you kidding me? I started watching this when I was a senior at Eastern Mennonite University. What about that? (laughs) (laughs) says that I would see this as reality for my life. (laughs) Right? I think like we all had this agreement with this show. This isn't content that's meant to be relatable. No part of it was meant to be relatable, but it was still draw on issues and themes that were kind of universal. And that's why people like to watch it. I have seen so much pushback on the show in terms of like, well, I don't think so-and-so's character would do this. This just doesn't seem like that character And I'm like, I think that's kind of the point, right? As we get older, as each decade of our life goes by, we become more and more who we are. We discover new things about ourselves. Family dynamics shift and change. I just think that there's so much going on that these characters are interacting with marriage and parenting, friendship, careers, the changing nature of our culture being you know, in your 40s and 50s and not wanting to say the wrong thing that's like socially insensitive, but you still have this language that you learned to be socially progressive when you were younger and you're still using it. And your kids like mine are like, oh my gosh, calling me a boomer because they know it hurts my feelings so much. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there are parts that are cringy. There are parts that are not relatable, but I think they're doing a fantastic job of really capturing some of the big issues for women in middle age. What do you think? Well, goodness. I mean, it's on HBO Max. It's not like a PBS documentary special. Like, I'm, <laughs> like what, are, what are we asking for? Are we like right? holding this to too high of a standard? I think Come so. On. Let's not be so hard on them just because they're women and because they're older women. Right. Maybe we need to just enjoy it. It doesn't have to be so serious. Let's just enjoy it. And that is what I'm saying. Yes, I personally think it's fascinating and interesting to just see how with each episode as it unfolds, how they are so different from the original series and how they are tackling very different things than what they were at the beginning. Like the friendship breakup, like the fact that Miranda stopped dyeing her hair and right? that's yeah. brought up. Episode one, it's brought up this fact that like our bodies are changing as we age. How do we handle that? Some women Mm -hmm. make this choice, the simple choice to dye their hair. Others make the simple choice not to dye their hair. But maybe it's not actually doesn't always feel that simple. Which choice? Right. I don't know. I just think I'm enjoying it. Let's just enjoy it. (laughs) That's my view on it, too. I did not have high expectations. I'm just in it for fun. It's actually been a lot more thought-provoking than I thought it was going to be. And so it is my awesome of the week. I have really, really been enjoying it. So would love to hear from the awesomes 
if you are on board with this reboot or not, because I know it's quite the controversial thing. So we do want to hear what is awesome in your life right now. So come and find us on Instagram. We're over there at Sorta Awesome Show. We would love to have you join our Instagram community where we talk about Awesome of the Week and all kinds of other awesome things throughout the week. And of course, we would love to have you in our Facebook community. It is the heart of the awesome community, facebook.com slash group slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. We talk about Awesome of the Week on Fridays, but oh my goodness, we have so many other conversations going on all the time. So we would love to have you join us there. We have so much bookish delight to get to. We're going to get to all of that when we come right back. So friends, like many of you, when I was growing up, we always had cans and bottles of soda pop in our house. I have to tell you, we never have soda in the house because most of it is absolutely packed with sugar and other things I do not want my kids drinking all day long. That is until our family was introduced to Olipop. Olipop is a new kind of soda. You guys, it tastes just like those sodas that I grew up with, but unlike the other sodas that are full of sugar and corn syrup and other ingredients like aspartame, Olipop is made with natural ingredients that are actually good for you. It's the fastest growing functional beverage brand in America. They have incredibly delicious nostalgic flavors like vintage cola, classic root beer, orange squeeze, cherry vanilla, strawberry vanilla, and their newest flavor, classic grape. We recently got to try out Olipop. My kids went absolutely bonkers for it. They loved like the cherry vanilla, the strawberry vanilla. I have to tell you that orange squeeze was so dreamy. I found myself hiding the cans of orange squeeze in the back of the refrigerator so nobody could find it except for me. Olipop uses functional ingredients that combine the benefits of prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanicals to support your microbiome. All of Olipop's products are non-GMO, vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly with less than 8 grams net carbs per can. And they are so confident that you will love their products that they offer a 100% money-back guarantee for orders placed through their website. So receive 20% off plus free shipping on your order. I recommend trying their variety pack. This is a great way to try all of their delicious flavors. Go to drinkolipop.com slash awesome or use code awesome at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com slash awesome. Olipop can also be found in over 8,000 stores across the country, including Kroger, Target, Whole Foods, Sprouts, and Wegmans. All right, you guys, here we are at the beginning of the new year. If you're like me, you're probably cleaning up and cleaning out. It feels so comforting and calming to have this really fresh aesthetic going on in our house. And that is why I am loving Public Goods. Public Goods is the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper and shampoo to pet foods, Public Goods is your new everything store thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. Rather than buying a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all of their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful, streamlined aesthetic. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products. And when I say everything store, I mean it. I am loving everything that we got from Public Goods, especially including their countertop spray, which leaves my kitchen feeling so clean and fresh. But the food that we tried from Public Goods was also amazing. They have an instant ramen that is so good. My kids had gobbled it up before I even got a chance to make a bowl for myself. We all know that knowing what's in your products and where they come from is important. Public Goods ethically sources and obsessively develops each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives that are still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They're committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment. So you guys, we have 
worked out an awesome deal. Receive $15. That is $15 off of your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They're so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You've got nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash awesome or use code awesome at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash awesome to receive $15 off of your first order. Okay, we are back. Rebecca, I feel like we just need to dive right into it. Now, again, a big part of our shared enthusiasm for all things bookish and reading, it's really kind of grown in the past couple of years. Again, I've always been a reader, but as in all things in life, I go through phases. Sometimes I'm like super into reading. And then sometimes I get into what a lot of readers might call like a reading slump where I'm just like, oh, I can't pick a book. Nothing's interesting. I don't want to do this. So as I get older, I really am learning how important it is to go where my energy is kind of flowing at the moment. And right now I am super enthusiastic about all things books and reading. And as we said on the end of the year show, you have been just burning up the pages with how many books you are getting through. Remind us again how many you read last year. Okay, so I read 84 books last year. Wow. And <laughs> this is a real confession here, okay? okay a real okay. confession. I really wanted to end my year on a good number, a number that I felt good about, that For I sure. could feel good telling other people about. And my definition of a good number was a number that was divisible by five. So mm-hmm. okay. if it couldn't be <laughs> 80, 85, 90, then I really want it to be an even number. I did not want to end the year reading 83 books. <laughs> I know this you know doesn't what? make I, sense. No, I actually, I'm completely, I'm completely tracking with you. That makes sense in my brain too. I get it. So ask me, what was I doing at 1130 <laughs> on December 31st? What were you doing? I was pushing my way through a novella that I did not like in order to <laughs> in order to get to 84 books. <laughs> Loving it. That is too funny. Okay, well, so let's get into talking about this. You read 84 books in 2021. Did you track your reading in any way through the year, whether it was like giving it rating on Goodreads? Did you jot it down in a journal? Did you have any kind of formalized tracking system for those books? Yes, but it was super minimalistic. First of all, I'm not on Goodreads. So I do all of my tracking in a bullet journal. And Mm -hmm. it is so incredibly basic. All that I do is I have one segment of my journal that's dedicated. I use my journal for all kinds of things. It's not a bullet journal just dedicated to books and reading. So it's one section where I write down the title the author, and then a few small qualifiers, such as, is it nonfiction? (laughs) Which, spoiler alert, it's almost never nonfiction. I read (laughs) one nonfiction book last year. (laughs) (laughs) Out of 84 books, it was nonfiction. It was Laura Tremaine's Share Your Stuff. I'll go first. There we go. (laughs) Yes. Very worthy of saying, okay, I'm going to pause my romance reads to read Laura's book, for sure. Okay, so I indicate if it's nonfiction. I indicate if it's a 
kids book, like a chapter book that I'm reading out loud to my oh, kids yeah. at bedtime. Mm-hmm. Because For like sure. a middle grade book, that counts. That's a book. Okay. Totally, yes. I indicate whether it's fan fiction. I indicate whether it's available on Kindle Unlimited. Now, I do that not because I care so much about whether I'm reading a Kindle book versus a paper book, which is something I know some people track. Mm-hmm, I do mm-hmm. that more because people have started coming to me for book recommendations. And some uh-huh. people specifically are asking for Kindle Unlimited recommendations. And so then I okay. can quickly scan through my list of books and see which ones that, at least when I read them, they were available on Kindle Unlimited. So that's kind of for the sake of being able to recommend to others. This next year, I might also add whether or not it's an audiobook or not. I only okay. listened to one audiobook last year. So it's mm-hmm. not something that's normally part of my routine. And then Got my it. rating system is a star or no star. Ooh, say more about that. Well, I mean... Would I recommend the book to the right audience? I'm not recommending like the spiciest of mafia romances to my mother. But to somebody who's interested in a spicy mafia romance, would I recommend it? Like, was it good? Would I recommend it? And if it's a yes, then it gets a star. If it's a "Mm, it was like, okay, or the first 80 percent of the book I love, but then they lost me in the conflict. I'm like, eh. It's either a star or no star. So I don't and then I don't indicate any sort of dates. I don't track pages. Got it. Yeah. It's really simplistic. Okay, I hear you saying simplistic, but also it's beautiful in its simplicity. I'm loving the idea of doing star or no star. I am on Goodreads, although I am just now like reinvigorating my Goodreads. I haven't used I don't think I used it all last year, but I get so conflicted about the stars because I am really troubled if something's like less than a four-star read, but it actually really was. And then I don't want to publicly say that. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Because of my ENFP type nineness. It's just like, oh, no. Oh, I don't want anyone to get anybody's feelings hurt. So if you were tracking your reading in private, just like in a journal, would you feel comfortable giving a book like one star or three stars or whatever? For sure. Okay. Yes. Yes. In fact, if a book is a one star, I'm going to say that it's a a DNF. It didn't finish. Do not finish. Yeah. Because I cannot think of a book that I would force myself all the way through if I was like, this is a one star read. But yes, that is part of how I'm going to track my reading this year is privately, all of my reading, I will give my own stars too. But I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to be 100% honest. The ones that I actually take the time to rate on Goodreads are probably just going to be my four and five star reads. I make no apology. That's just who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I love that about you. I do. I get a little bit hung up within the rating system of how do you differentiate between a three and a four star? I don't know. Right. What if you're just kind of like in a bad mood and then yeah. you're like, well, this is a three star. But then you're like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's a four star. I, like, I question that a little bit. Yeah. I'm not decisive enough. <laughs> exactly. To have a five star rating system. I guarantee there will be books that I way overthink. Was this a three star book or a four star? I mean, usually like with a five star book, you just like, no. Yeah. Even if it comes in at the very end and you're like, oh, this book was fine. But then at the end, it really grabbed me. You pretty much know this was a five star, but it's under five stars where I'm like, oh, gosh, this feels like a lot of pressure. Even if it's just pressure to myself, I am so weird about this. But that's who I am. 
So your system of like start or no star is like brilliant. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that every book that has no star was bad. It's For just sure. they weren't in my top tier books. And then I also yes. have created a list of my all time favorite because I almost exclusively okay. read romance. So I have created a list of my all time favorites. Now, maybe those are like my only true five stars if I was doing it. But frankly, I think what I'm hearing you say and what I'm saying is that rating books does not sound like fun. It sounds more pressure and a little bit more work, a little stressful, like I would overthink things. And so I'm not doing that part. A star or no star. I love that. And I do think that that is something that we need to talk about when it comes to like how we interact with our reading in a meta way outside of the actually sitting and reading or on the go and reading audio, which I do a lot of. How are we interacting with it? How are we engaging with the hobby of it? I'm confident there are people who love to write their reviews. Our friend of the show, Lee Kramer, my longtime friend, Lee Kramer, is a queen on Goodreads. She reads a lot of romance and other books too. I mean, other kinds of fiction, but a lot of romance. Her reviews are an experience. Mm. You get a true sense of what's going on in the book. She gives tons of content warnings for things that might throw you off in the book, like kind of like trigger warnings. And I mean, just reading her reviews is a very satisfying reading experience. I'm just (laughs) going to be honest with you. She shelves everything, like her shelving system on Goodreads. She has things shelved by like any trope and any pairing, any category of romance you can think of. She has a shelf for it. And then you can go and read through her reviews. She slays. I don't even say that (laughs) phrase ever. But for Lee, I make the exception She's amazing on Goodreads. And that's obviously a very fun part of the hobby for her. Yes. Right? Yes. So I'm listening to you and my face is like almost in like disgust. I love that for her. But to me, this sounds like writing a book report. I don't want to write a book report after every book. I don't right. have the desire to leave any kind of reviews for any books. Yeah. But I also have a platform here on Sort of Awesome. That's true. And on yes. Instagram that if I have a book that is like, oh, I just got to tell people about this book. I can get that out. So I have other avenues for some of that pent up energy that you might have as you're writing yes. a really quality review. So I need to recognize that. But no, that kind of sounds like a book report. I don't want to do a book report. <laughs> Would you like to know that book reports were like my favorite part of school? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. Of course. I've been were. forcing people to pay attention to what I'm into since I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not writing reviews. Of your books, are you or are you? I did start this year. Okay, I've read like three books so far this year in 2022. And I did write, I think for all three, I think I have put reviews on Goodreads for them. I'm very now, impressed. Well, okay, it's January. Will this energy be maintained throughout the year? I don't know. And I make no promises if I'm going to be able to keep up with that. Not only am I tracking them on Goodreads and, and writing some reviews on Goodreads, I'm also trying out an app that a lot of readers in the sort of awesome community, the currently reading podcast community and other reading adjacent communities are trying out. It's called Storygraph. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it. It's like an indie alternative to Goodreads where you can leave reviews, track your own reading, see what your friends are reading and also help categorize books so that other readers can find like if they're into a really specific genre or if they want a YA, what they want it to be like dark and moody instead of fun and lighthearted. It kind of helps you find the right book you're looking for. I don't know. I'm experimenting with it. 
Again, I make no promises, but we'll see how that goes. Do you like it? Are you liking it better than Goodreads? No, I don't like it better than Goodreads at this point. And it is the problem that I would guess any new app in this market is going to have. And it's just there's not that many people on it. It's not very active. Whereas when I open Goodreads, I you know, Goodreads gives you a feed and there's like tons of people, friends of mine who have marked books that they want to read, left reviews for books. It's like a very active experience and Storygraph just isn't there yet. I hope that it grows to be. Again, I'm kind of trying to contribute as much as I can. And I hope other readers do too, just so that there is an alternative that's not Amazon owned Goodreads. But it's going to take a little growth and momentum, I think. So how are you typically tracking your reading? This year, you're only using Goodreads or do you have like a journal or what do you do? Okay, Rebecca, I'm so glad you asked. Oh, dear. (laughs) What are you going to say? Well, this is the first year in my life. I'm going to do a dedicated reading journal. Okay. A whole journal just for reading. Because like you, when I have gone to the effort of tracking my reading, I've mostly made it a little section in my day-to-day bullet journal. And then I've been noticing now that Katie Proctor and I are doing more frequent books and reading episodes for Sorta Awesome, and I always notice at the end of the year when we're doing our end of the year show, and I'm like, what did I read this year? What did I read? What did I love? What did I love about them? You know, it's one thing to remember like, oh yeah, in November I read this and it was really great. But if you're thinking back to January, like what? And so for the purpose of being able to have better discussions about books and reading for Sorta Awesome, but also just for my own enjoyment as a reader, I'm going to have a reading journal. It's quite complicated. Whereas you are like, I am going the minimalist route. And here's my plan. Mine is like, I am a maximalist this year when it comes to tracking my reading. (laughs) Well, tell me everything that you're going to track. Okay. Did you buy this or is this homemade? No. Oh, that's a good question. That is such a good question. And I'm so glad you asked that. There are so many pre-made, you can buy them printed, made, done for you book journals on the market, reading journals. There's a ton of them. I know that our friend Ann Bogle of What Should I Read Next podcast, Modern Mrs. Darcy. I mean, she is absolutely a books and reading influencer. She put out her own reading journal for the year. Anybody who's, there's tons of booktubers that have created their own. I have looked and looked and looked through what's out there and I just couldn't find anything that exactly hit what I wanted. And so I just decided to do my own and I'm doing it. It's like sort of bullet journal style. Okay, so tell me about it. Okay, I'm going to save the bigger part of it for when we talk about our own reading goals for the year. But I do have a section at the very front that allows me to kind of track what my reading goals are. I have some really specific ones for each month. I'm also going to be tracking by genre to make sure I'm getting like a sprinkling of different genres. I'm going to be tracking format because I read so much on audio and I'm like, I have got to read some books in print this year. And so I'm going to be tracking that. One thing that I am super excited about, so, so, so excited is that I'm going to do a book of the year bracket. Ooh. Like a mar- have you seen these? Yeah. I saw a TikToker do one and it, okay. it's really smart. This is the way I'm going to do it. I saw a couple of different iterations of this on BookTube. I hate saying that, but yes, bookish people on YouTube. I've seen a couple of different people do this. The way I'm going to do it is I will have a bracket that starts out with 12 spaces and I'm going to randomly assign the months to those first 12 spaces. So it's not just going to go January, February, pair together, March, April. You know what I mean? Like it's going to mix up the months in the first 12. And then... 
at the end of each month, I will pick my favorite book from that month and write it on that month's line. And then those two books will go head to head. And I will pick from those two, which ones move on. So it's kind of like your March Madness bracket Mm -hmm. or any other kind of sports ball bracket. And then by the end of the year, there will be one book to rule them all. The one book of my favorite books of the year that will be my favorite book from 2022. I'm really excited about this. It's so fun. Why did you decide to mix up the months? Because I didn't want it. I don't know. One of the YouTube videos that I was watching where she explained how she did it for her 2021 book, she explained in a way that kind of made sense that she didn't want it to be like, if you're in a cozy mysteries mood in the winter, but by summer, you're only reading beach reads. She kind of wanted to get a mix in terms of the books that were going head to head. So I don't know. It kind of made sense at the time. Sure. Will I regret it at the end? I don't know. No, can I change it anytime I want? I can change it (laughs) (laughs) if I decide to. Okay. So in terms of actually tracking the books that I'm reading each month, I'm like you, I'm going to be tracking in my book journal, the title of the book, the author genre, again, because I'm trying to mix it up this year, publication date. I definitely, it's tempting when you are actively on book talk or bookstagram. It's really tempting, I think, to really just focus on the books that are released in that calendar year. But Rebecca, oh my gosh, there's so many great books that are what we would call backlist from 10, five, three years ago. So I'm going to be tracking publication date, the format I read it in, whether it was audio, print or ebook, Kindle or whatever. And then what my rating was for it. So yeah, and I'm also going to kind of loosely, I'm going to leave space for each month to record any notes and quotes that I loved from the books, because that's another thing. I can look back and be like, oh my gosh, I really loved Anyway, the Wind Blows, the last book of the Rainbow Rowell's Simon Snow series. I read it last summer. I loved it so much. But then I'm like looking at it, it's like this huge novel. I'm like, but what did I specifically love about it? I wish I would have jotted down notes as I was reading as a little like reminder to myself of how great of a book it was. This is so impressive. I'm very, very impressed. I'm so excited. I'm so excited about reading. <laughs> Can, well, I'm glad. Can I tell you, I just would like to break down for everybody a TikTok that I saw of somebody who was going through their bullet journal that they created, their own customized reading journal. She had so much stuff in this TikTok and in her journal. I mean, tell me everything. I kind of want it. this, but then I'm also like, but maybe it's leading a little too book reportish for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. But buckle up. She had so much in here. So first of all, she had a whole section for goals. She had a reference page for the colors that she's using in her bullet journal because she's like assigning stars, like a five-star book, she would like color in that book with red and then, sure. or, you know, and then like orange, yes. or like a four-star book or something like that. Are you doing that? Do you have a color system in yours? I am going to be using the color system where I'm tracking the genre tracker. That's what I read from each genre throughout the year. I'll be using colored in squares on my bullet journal spread for that. So yes, but I definitely have seen people do that for their ratings for the books they read each month. Okay. I love color. So I want one of these journals just so I can play with like markers and color because I think that's so much fun. Except as we've covered, I don't want to actually rate my books. So (laughs) that might be a problem. (laughs) Okay. So she also has 
shelves to color in a hundred books. It's like a bookshelf with book spines drawn in. And then as she reads books, she's going to color them all in to kind of keep track of the goal of getting to a hundred books. I don't know if she's going to actually write the titles on the spines. Some people do that. And some people color the book in with their rating color. So if it's like a five-star book, they'll use the red to color it in. I want one of those pages. I don't think I could draw it and I would get angry with how it ends up looking. Well, I will tell you this, that specific layout, a lot of people call them shelfies. I even have this. You can get like a stencil to create your shelf layout. So because I'm like you, if I if I tried to freehand a shelfie layout with books on shelves, it would look like Nico did it. Let's be honest. (laughs) You have a stencil for that? I have a lot of stencils and one of them is for a shelfie layout. (laughs) What? I didn't know you owned stencils. Yes, you could get them on Etsy. There's some on Amazon. AliExpress has a bunch of journaling stencils. Oh, yeah, it is a thing. Do you have a shelfie in your book? I do. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Meg, who are you? I'm so impressed. I mean, this is why I love prepping for this episode, because I was like, we're talking about this, but this is so meta for me, because this is exactly what I've been doing. I've just been indulging in the fun of having reading as a hobby. And this is one of the things I've been doing. I didn't know stencils were on the table. Okay. Oh, yeah. She also has a genre tracker for each month. She has a yearly statistics page where she monthly tracks the number of books the pages in the book, the star rating, whether she owned the book, it was a library book, an e-book, or a reread. Dang, okay. She has a goal page tracker for how many pages she wants to read. She has an alphabet challenge. She wants to read one book for every letter of the alphabet based off of the title of the book. I've seen that. Yes. Yeah. This next one is super fun. It's the Rainbow Challenge, where she Mm. wants to read a book with a cover that matches every color of the rainbow. So she has these squares like lined out, almost kind of empty picture frames. And so it's highlighted in (gasps) red around the edge. And the next one is orange. She has like a light blue, a dark blue, black, white. And then she prints out the cover of the book and then glues it into the appropriate frame. Oh, does that sound like fun? Yes. Yes, it does. So then she also has pages for different book club challenges that she's doing. Mm -hmm. She has the bracket style challenge for the book of the year, like what you were talking about doing your bracket. Yeah. She has pages dedicated for the covers of all of the books that she rates as five-star books, just like empty pages where she can paste in the covers for those. She has a list of advanced reader copies that she is getting because she's on some PR lists. She has calendar for upcoming new releases. She has different pages dedicated to subscription boxes where she includes the title And the star rating that she gives each one. Okay. And I actually think this is smart because she said that she subscribes to several subscription boxes. And she was like, but by tracking for a year, the star rating of those books, I'll be able to tell whether or not I actually like that particular subscription. Oh, that is so smart. That is so smart. Yes. Then she also has a daily tracker where she's tracking every day the format of the book that she's reading, owned, library, ebook, and genre. 
And then there's like all these segments that are broken down by month, where then there's all the pages where it's just January. This is what I read. It's so impressive. We'll have a link to this TikTok in the show notes. I was going to say, did you save it? it. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to need to see this. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's beautiful. I also don't know if I care, though, how many pages I've read in the year. Do you care? Yes. I don't. To me, that would be a little bit tedious. And then I also might get weirdly in my head like, oh, I need to read more pages or do more minutes on audio or whatever. I feel like that might steal a little joy from me. So I probably won't do it like that. But I'm sure there's lots of people that love and feel like a sense of accomplishment when they look back and they're like, I read this many thousand pages last year or whatever. Well, and it makes a difference probably, right? Like if you're reading a bunch of YA books, like shorter YA or like middle grade books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with those. Right. Like if you're reading like a bunch of shorter books or you're like really into novellas, maybe especially around like the holidays, it seems like a lot of holiday books end up being novellas. Mm -hmm. They're super short. And then there's somebody else who reads massive classics. You know, like they're reading through Harry Potter this year, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like those are big books. So maybe for some people you get a little bit more sense of satisfaction of, yes. well, I only read one book in January, but it was, I don't know, this massive, huge book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Do you have any reading goals for yourself? Did you even start with a reading goal last year? Or are you just like, I'm just going to read as much romance as my little eyeballs can handle? Okay, here's a confession, Meg. <laughs> I love all the confessions that are coming out in this conversation. Bring it on. I do reading goals the wrong way. Okay. (laughs) Allow me to explain. So 2020 was the first year that I really got into reading. Okay. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then it was the end of August. I had started writing down the books and I was going back for the very first time. I was like, goodness sakes, I'm reading so many books. I started writing them down. I'm like, I'm curious how many I've read. And at that point I was like, wow, I bet I can get to 50. And I did. I hit 50 books that year. Okay, so then that last year, 2021, again, I'm just reading like crazy and I don't set a reading goal until November. In November. (laughs) I love you so much. I just love you. (laughs) In November, I hit 70 books. I'm like, oh, I bet I can hit 80 or 85 because it has to be divisible by five. Right. I can probably do that. Well, I got derailed a little bit because I read a book that gave me a major book hangover and I didn't start a new one for like a long time. Uh-huh. It was only a week. But for me, that was like a long time. <laughs> I didn't start yes. a new book. And maybe I could have gotten to 90 if I hadn't had such a book hangover. But I <laughs> I don't like to set goals that I'm not going to meet. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect from my reading in 2021. And so I didn't set my goal until November. That's not right. That's not how you should live your life. (laughs) It's unconventional. I'll give you that. But if it works for you, again, no rules, just right, baby. Just whatever works to get you to reading, I think is great. So for 2022, I think my goal actually is only 50 books. I think I'm going to go back to 50 because I have a goal to revamp some of my other media consumption that I completely abandoned in 2021. There's a lot of quality TV shows, series that I have wanted to watch or that I have been watching for years that I'm way behind on, completely neglected because I didn't watch hardly a stinking thing. And that's okay. That's okay. I was all reading all the time. 
And I don't apologize yes. for that. But does that mean that I'll never want to catch up on Grey's Anatomy? Well, no. So I need to give myself space to do that. And yes. so my idea is that if I am giving myself more space for other types of media, then I probably won't hit 80 books in 2022. Yeah. So maybe for a more balanced yes. year, 50 right. is a better goal. I love it. And again, I just say, go where your energy is. And if your energy is, you know what? I still love reading. It's a huge part of my life, but I want to get back to these other things. Not like you have to, or you feel guilty if you don't. But if you want to, like you said, balance it out, then do it. Keep it fun. 50 sounds like a great number. It's very close to what my goal is. My goal is to read four books a month, which I know for some people that would be like, oh my gosh, that's so much. And then other people would be like, oh, I read four books last week. And that's fine. This is the minimum I want to do each month. Will there be months that I read more? I'm confident because I also like you count fanfic and other non-traditional reads in there. But for my four main books a month, I have some very specific rules. I'm going to go through these really quickly. Oh my goodness. The four rules. Rules. Okay. These are rules for me because I like a structure, but it's flexible. Okay. 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 So four books. Here are the rules. Each of the four mains, I'm just going to call them my main books, my main reads from the book for the month, I mean. Each of the four main ones have to come from a different genre. Oh, wow. Okay, you've already lost me. <laughs> I know. You're like, I'm out. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, next. Romance or nothing for me. <laughs> so each book from a different genre, and I'm being very expansive in my genres, like young adult, new adult, horror. The first book I read this year was a horror book. Rebecca, who even am I? What? I know. I'm telling you. This is the year that I'm just going to... Bring it on. I'll read it. Are you okay? <laughs> I am. It was really good, too. I have what? a lot of words on it. That's for another okay. another thing, another okay. time. Keep going. And then I have three reading challenges, I guess you could say, that those four books need to come from, and then one wild card. So three from a reading challenge, one just total free choice, okay? The reading challenge is the first one I made for myself, and it's just read to zero. Read your shelves. I have so mm -hmm. many books, Rebecca. In my Kindle library, in my Audible library, behind me, can you, I don't know if you can see, behind me, there's a jewelry chest in my room that has a stack of books on it, all unread. There's unread books all around my recording area. So one book per month that I read has to come from my shelves, read to zero. Will I read to zero this year? Hell no, but <laughs> I'm going to make a dent in the shelves. One book comes from Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge. Now they give 24 categories. I'm not going to try to do all 24, but I am going to try to do 12 of them. And so the Read Harder Challenge is all kinds of books. That's why I read a horror book. It was like, read a book, a horror book written by a BIPOC author. Not only do I hardly ever read horror, I also really want to expand the diversity of who I'm reading through mm -hmm. the year. So one book from the Read Harder Challenge. One book will come from the Mom Advice Book Gang Book Club. So Amy Ellen Clark. She was on the show last year. She's a longtime friend of the show and we love her. And she puts together such a thoughtful book club for the year. It's one book per month. And so I'm going to be doing that. Rebecca and I have cooked up a little reading challenge for romance reading that we'll be talking more about here in just a little bit. So you know that's going to be in there too. Romance books are not a hard read for me. So I like to even put them in as a challenge because I know I'm going to be reading those anyway. <laughs> I can't wait to tell everybody all about it. I know, I know. So yeah, those are my four mains. And then anything else that I read will just be considered a bonus for me. So 
I guess you could say ultimately my goal for the year is 48 books, but I have some pretty intentional guidelines for what that reading is going to look like. I mean, these are very structured. There's choice within it. Uh There's flexibility. Okay. So let me recap. So it's four books. All four books need to be a different genre of those. So like if I read a romance as one of my four main ones, because again, I have a ton in my Kindle library, like I'll count one for the romance and also for a reader shelf. But then if I read another one, then it's just like a bonus. But I want to make sure that at least four of the books that I read each month come from a different genre. Am I explaining that well? Okay. Okay. So the ultimate goal is four books, four different genres, and those books need to be part of these challenges that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And at least one of them needs to be from your shelf. Yes. Okay. And then... It sounds to me like you actually anticipate reading more than four books every month. And then I'm that's where your I will. Okay. And that's where yes. your flexibility comes from. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, How many mm-hmm. books do you think that you will read a month? How many do you typically read in a month? Well, I mean, during the pandemic, a lot of people did turn to reading. I really didn't. I was listening to True Crime podcasts to get me through. Mm-hmm. We all have our things. Yes, we all had our coping mechanisms and not to say that we're out of the woods by any means. But, you know, when I've been like in the groove, I would easily read two to three books a month. And so bumping it up and making sure that I read four a month does not feel like a push for me. Again, discovering how easy it is to make reading fit into my life via audiobook because I just listen to stuff so much has been such a game changer for me. Yeah. So how much do you anticipate What's your audio to print ratio typically? I would say, oh my gosh, there's some months that I don't even read anything in print. It's all audio. I mean, I don't know. I would say 75% of the books I anticipate reading will probably be on audio. Okay. Well, I want to up my audio game. I don't know that I love romance and audio. I've I know. I've said this before. I don't necessarily need the word lick said to me in my earbuds. But I can see me tapping into maybe some nonfiction in audio. Yes. I don't really like nonfiction at Mm -hmm. all, but I do recognize that there are some beneficial books that if I could just push myself beyond the initial hurdle, that listening to a nonfiction book could feel probably a lot like listening to a podcast. That's what I was going to say. Just treat it like you're listening to a podcast for sure. It seems like I could up my audio consumption if I treat it more like an intentional nonfiction podcast that I'm seeking out. Yes. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Believe it or not, you guys, we still have more to talk about that is up the bookish delight variety. We're going to get to that when we come right back. Guys, one of our favorite sponsors is back. Every Plate, America's best value meal kit. Whether you want to save time and money, learn to cook or eat well, Every Plate makes sticking to your New Year's resolution easy. So this year, give yourself and your wallet a break. Enjoy delicious, affordable meals delivered to your door and ready to go in just six simple steps. One of the biggest reasons that I love Every Plate is that even at full price, Every Plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients, makes it so easy. 
easy to save money. You can choose between 17 recipes that change each week. You can swap out the proteins, the veggies, and sides to your liking. And one meal from every plate is about the same price as one cup of coffee. The best news for me with a house full of picky eaters is that every single time I cook an every plate meal, the kiddos clean their plates and a couple of them are even asking for seconds. So, Awesomes, try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code awesome179. Get started with every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code awesome179. That's up to $104 in value. When you try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code awesome179. Okay, friends, it's officially 2022, and now is the time to set your wellness routine into action and prioritize your health. Care of allows your vitamin routine to be more personal, easy, effective, and constantly evolving. You can stay on track with your health goals this New Year's thanks to Care of's daily vitamin packs. They make organization and your resolution easy to stick to every day. Care of is a subscription service that ships high quality, personalized vitamins and powders conveniently to your door every month. You get started by taking a short, in-depth quiz about your health goals, your lifestyle, then you get personally tailored recommendations based on your answers. You can stick with what Care of recommends, or you can change up your pack at any time. Care of products are made from good for you, clean ingredients that are backed by the latest science and research so that you can feel good about what's going in your body. I really love taking the care of quiz. It reminds me that this is the essence of self-care, taking care of yourself by looking at what my health goals are and discovering what vitamins are perfect to meet those goals. Care of takes care of all of that so that I can do a better job of taking care of me. For 50% off of your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code AWESOME50. That's AWESOME50. Again, it's 50% off of your first care of order when you go to takecareof.com and enter code AWESOME50. Okay, we are back and we have spent, oh my goodness, so much time talking about how do we track reading? Do you set a goal? Do you have a reading journal? All of that, believe it or not, we have even more that we wanted to talk about. And a huge part of being a reading enthusiast, a hobbyist, is collecting books that go on your to-be-read list, your TBR. I confess, and I've said this in various places through the years, my serial killer trait is that sometimes I like reading book reviews more than I like reading books. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better. For that very reason, though, I have to rein myself in when it comes to a TBR list because between bookish podcasts and book talk and all of these places, Rebecca, it's like, oh my gosh, so many great books out there. Where do you get your recommendations from, especially because you are pretty committed to the romance genre. I'm super curious, where do you get your recommendations from? Okay, so there are a couple places. First of all, because I have been more publicly declaring my love of romance, a lot of followers on Instagram, listeners to the podcast have reached out to me with some recommendations, which I always love. I love it when you slide into my DMs with a quality book review and tell me that this is something you think I need. So I get a lot of just like personal recommendations from followers and from friends. TikTok has figured out that I really like romance genre. Mm -hmm. So there is a side of TikTok that is based off of romance. It's not just book talk in general, but it's like romance book talk. And so I get a lot of recommendations from there. And the way that I tend to treat those is I will snag a screenshot 
of the books because they almost always have the cover displayed. So I'll grab a screenshot and then track it that way. And then I also get some recommendations from the Faded Mates podcast. Mm -hmm. This podcast is so fun. Only check it out if you're interested in romance and if you're interested in open door romance, because I believe that most of the books that they talk about tend to be open door, meaning that there are some details in the intimate scenes. And there is also a language warning. If you've never listened to them before, if language is a problem for you, sometimes there's some language there. But I love their back catalog in that podcast is so fascinating. They take some common tropes in the romance genre and will do these beautiful deep dives into why do we love this? How does it work? And how do authors sometimes mess it up? And what are some great examples of literature that we should be reading that fits this trope? And what does this trope say about society and say about women in general? And just everything. It's like really thinking super deeply about something that isn't that serious, which is always my sweet spot. I love that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a really fun show. I don't listen to it regularly, but you've sent me several episodes to check out and I've loved every episode of it that I've listened to. They do a really great job. And oh my gosh, make me want to read every single book that they mentioned for sure. Well, and something that's really interesting about how Faded Maze sets up their show notes is that as you're listening, the display, like if you keep the app open that you're listening, I listen in Overcast, so I don't know how this works with any of the other podcast apps. But when I'm listening in Overcast, the image that typically would be the graphic for the podcast Mm -hmm. will change to whichever book cover they're talking about. I love it. And so then I will snap screenshots from that And then I'll be able to see, well, that screenshot is from Faded Mates and I'll know where that recommendation came from. And there's been times where I've gone back after I've read a book and I've listened to that section of their podcast to hear what their thoughts about it again, because it's just fun to hear what people think about the books that you read. But then that's how I track all of my books that I have on my TBR is it's all screenshots on my phone and I have a folder dedicated to those books. And sometimes I'll open up the photo and I'll hit edit and then you can do the markup tool in an iPhone. And I will actually write on the picture where that recommendation came from or maybe something else about that recommendation, like it's on Kindle Unlimited or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I'm doing a similar thing in that I almost always am keeping track of TBRs via screenshot in some way. So I'm going to track mine this year using Pinterest. Now, which I haven't used Pinterest in years, you guys, but now that you can, and I don't know how long you've been able to do this, but you can upload screenshots to a Pinterest board of yours. And so my main places I get recommendations from, I do listen to currently reading podcast and mom advice, book gang podcast, and I am uh, Patreon supporters for both of those. So they not only do they have their main shows that have tons of recommendations, but their Patreon material also has a ton even more And so I tend to do screenshots when I'm listening to a podcast of the show notes and I'll use the markup, like you said, and just circle or star, whatever I wanted to check out. I also definitely, definitely get a lot of recommendations from BookTok. So I'll either take a screenshot right then while the TikTok is going, or what I've also been doing is going over to Amazon right then, looking up the book, doing a screenshot, and then uploading the screenshot directly to my Pinterest board. So 
So far, I think I only have TBRs for romance, YA, fantasy, and maybe thrillers or something. I need to get the rest of them set up. But I do like that once you get a pen uploaded, you can edit that pen and it gives you a place to leave like a note to yourself. And it's a secret note. I mean, I guess there's a way you could probably make it public, but it's mostly meant to be like a note to yourself. So I've been tracking right then while I'm thinking about it, if it's not immediately obvious where it came from, like show notes from a podcast, if it did come from TikTok, which like (laughs) you see so many TikToks in a day, like who recommended this? Then I just leave a little note to myself of, who on TikTok recommended it. Oh, so and then smart. I have it, yeah, and I have it on my Pinterest board. So it's a great way to collect my TBR books. And then I'm hopeful that as I get further into the year and I am reading for these challenges, like that Read Harder Challenge from Book Riot, I can go to my TBRs and be like, okay, now this would totally fit for this category. Bada bing, bada boom. And I can actually read from my TBR if it's a little bit more organized, I love that you put them in an album. That totally makes sense and seems like a very efficient way to do it. But I'm going to experiment with doing on Pinterest this year. So we'll see what happens. Will you delete the pin after you've read the book or move it to Ooh. a new Pinterest board? I think I'm going to create a new Pinterest board. Why not? That sounds like fun. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Ask me mid-year how this is working out and we'll have a discussion. I can't wait for the follow-up. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's talk about any gadgets or accessories or tools that help make reading life a little bit easier. So do you mostly read on Kindle or like e-reader? It varies quite a bit. I have a Kindle Paperwhite. Sometimes when I use the Hoopla app, sometimes that will end up being on my phone. But I also read in paper. I get from the library. I almost never buy books Okay. like Kindle or paper. And so if I'm reading a paper book, it most definitely is from the library. Okay. Well, I found something that I'm super, super loving for reading on a tablet or even on your phone, as you know, specifically, but I've kind of mentioned in a few places, I like to read fanfic, which I read almost exclusively on my phone. So there's this little thing called a flippy. It's right behind me. If I pick this up, maybe I can describe it better. It makes holding your tablet or your phone, your device or whatever, just a little bit more comfy. It's totally a creature comfort thing. Nobody needs a flippy, but it's really nice. It's like a little foam pillow kind of thing. It has a little ridge along the bottom. It's covered in kind of a microfiber cloth, so it's a little bit grippy. Okay. And you can just set your device on the little ledge and it just, you set it in your lap or if you like to lay on your stomach to read on your bed or whatever. It's super lightweight, super portable, and it just If you're holding a device for a long time, like if you're really into a book, I mean, honestly, sometimes you're like, oh, my arm hurts or I'm getting a crick (laughs) in my neck or whatever. I also love that the Flippy has a little pocket. So if you're old like me and you need reader glasses, you can stick your readers in there. So you always have some readers to put on when you're reading. But this has just been so fun. It's like definitely, definitely just a creature comfort. But it's really made the whole reading experience a lot a lot more fun. So I love I'm it. here for the flippy. Of course, I also do. I have to say, I've talked about it before. I do have my reading light. There was an awesome of the week years and years ago. I still have that same one. It is working just as great. I mean, you have to recharge it, but it works just as great as the day I got it. I still love that reading light. It's a clip on one. My kids are always stealing it because they like to use it for reading at night. I'll put a link in the show notes to remind you guys what I'm talking about. It is fantastic. So speaking of things to like hold your e-reader and make your e-reading experience 
better. Something so bougie that I am tempted by. <laughs> it's not even expensive, but it is. <laughs> it is a remote control page turner for a Kindle. I've seen these and I have definitely deliberated like, do I need this? Maybe I need this. <laughs> I mean, tapping your finger on the side of your Kindle is such a strain. It's such physical exertion mm-hmm. that we really don't need to be putting out into the world. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> okay. So I don't have one of these, but they're only $33. The idea isn't so much that, oh my goodness, it's so hard to click. The idea instead is that you can make it more of a hands-free experience where you, yes. you can be all snuggled under your covers and keep your hands cozy and warm under the covers and you hold this remote control that then you click that in your hand and it activates something that you attach to your Kindle that taps the Kindle for you. Right. And then with that, though, you also probably need to purchase some sort of tripod clamp, like flexible gooseneck thing. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attach your Kindle to it. I've seen them where people may, they're reading in bed and you can yeah. get these devices that attach to your headboard and then put the okay. Kindle like up and over right. your head and then you can be like laying in bed and the Kindle is suspended there in front of you and you can be all warm and cozy and you can click or oh you can be like on the couch and you can have something that clamps onto your coffee table and then you can like maneuver the Kindle into the right position and you can lay there all snuggled and click from underneath a blanket. Oh my goodness. What a time to be alive. (laughs) Right? This is like the luxury reading experience. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay, so then I found two other things that I do not have these things either, but I think they just seem so fun and definitely a quality reader gift. The first one is a personalized embosser. And These are super popular. I found one on Etsy from the shop called Stamp Boss Art, and they have over 130 different options for styles of how you can customize this embosser. Basically, what you're doing is you're stamping an impression into the inside title page of your book that claims the book is like your own instead of just a little post-it note or like writing in with pencil belongs to Rebecca Hoffer. Instead, you can get one of these fancy devices that imprints it into the page. Now, like I said, I hardly ever buy books at all. So I don't need this in my life, but it makes me want to buy books so that I need this in my life. (laughs) Yes. I like that. You know, book collecting is a thing. That's definitely like a hobby in and of itself. And I could see how if that was really something you were into, that would be such a wonderful treat to have for yourself. Like, Or you said, maybe like a gift or something. I love that. I've heard it said so many times on Book Talk that buying books and reading books are two very different hobbies. And okay, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the last little really amazing gift that I think you could give to a reader is from the website idealbookshelf.com. And that sells prints, custom prints made by the artist Jane Mount. And what she does is you tell her your favorite books, your ideal bookshelf. And she designs prints with the spines of those books that she has illustrated, illustrated spines of the books. And you can log into her website and see she has 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books that she has done this for that you can pick and choose from those books or you can have her create a custom one if she doesn't have your favorite book. But there's classics on there. There's children's books on there. And then it's this beautiful print that then you can hang on the wall. Now, this is more expensive. It's like a hundred, even up to almost six hundred dollars, depending on size, how many books. It's going to cost more if you need her to make something custom that's not on her list. If you want it framed or not. But what a beautiful addition to a home library or even yes. like a children's playroom if it's dedicated to like your favorite children's books. It's such For a sure. beautiful idea. Yeah, love that. Love that. Okay. Well, as we have been talking about, Rebecca and I are both super, super into the reading hobby right now. Rebecca has talked about how much she has enjoyed reading romance. In fact, She's done not one, but two episodes in our sort of spicy series for our superstar Patreon subscribers. As a reminder, you can support Sort of Awesome at $5 a month on Patreon, become an awesome superstar. We have this sort of spicy series where we record episodes just to share with our superstars. We wouldn't normally release them to our general listening audience. And so as we wrapped up 2021, Rebecca and I did an episode for that. It was Rebecca sharing 10 more spicy romance novels that she wanted to talk about. And we started talking about all of the different tropes that are so fascinating and come up time and again in romance novels. And we sort of just hatched this idea to create a romance reading challenge for 2022. 22 tropes in 2022. Rebecca sat down immediately and brainstormed what was it like originally 40 tropes that you could think of? Oh, I think more. I think it was like 44, maybe close to 50 tropes. (laughs) Yes. So we talked back and forth about it a little bit. We narrowed the list down to 30. So our superstars this year, if you want to come join us and become a superstar, this is going to be so much fun. But we've created this little reading challenge to try to read from 22 different tropes throughout the year in the romance realm. So, Rebecca, I love this. I'm so excited about it. I'm excited, too. And I think it might sound kind of intimidating, but I don't think by any means this means that you actually have to read 22 different romance books. No, for sure. Yeah. Because the beauty of romance is that there's often tropes on top of tropes on top of tropes within romance books. So to speak. So... So you might have a book that you read that crosses off easily three tropes in that one book or more. And we have designed the challenge so that there is some flexibility that you can pick and choose which tropes you want to include. We're not nailing down. You have to read these 22 specific tropes. There is flexibility there as we have established Meg has twins. She does not want to read about mistaken identity with twins in her romance books. No, I hate it. Yep. (laughs) It creeps her out. So mistaken identity, it's on the list, but Meg's not going to read that. And that's okay because there's plenty of other tropes for her to pick and choose from. Yes. I'm so excited about this. Rebecca is an absolute just genius when it comes to this and putting together this fun challenge. So we're going to, of course, have information as we always do in our show notes. If you want to come become a superstar, it's a great time of the year to join us. We have so much fun with our superstar community and add a little spice to your life through your reading this year. 
with our 22 tropes in 2022 challenge. That was a mouthful. I think that's the first time I've said it all together. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rebecca, thank you so much. This has been so fun. I loved your inspiration for this discussion. And this was just so fun. And I'm so excited about the year ahead. If people want to come find you to ask you for book recommendations, to tell you what you need to read, or just to chat in general, where can we find you all around the web? You can find my website at simplyrebecca.com. And I'm the most active on Instagram at Simply Rebecca. Okay. You can find me on any social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. And you can find the show just by searching Sorta Awesome. If you want to tell us what you're reading or something you've loved lately, make sure to hashtag Sorta Awesome so we can see it on whatever platform you're on. We would love to check out what you're reading and just add it to our TBRs, which will be growing throughout the year. I'm very, very sure. You guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time.